And here we go. Who's your favorite Joker and why is it Jared Leto? Go. Who's your favorite Joker and, and why is it <laughs> Barry Keegan? No. You know what? I love Barry, but Jared Leto's Joker was better than Barry's. <laughs> Killing of a sacred Joker? Yes. <laughs> and here we are again. It's Oscar season. We're doing our second film as its own episode because I talked about this previously on the House of Gucci podcast episode. Yeah. And in that time, it's been nominated for Best Picture. And Gabe has watched it, and we're here to talk about King Richard. Here, here. King Richard. Not the Shakespeare. Oh. I was Lear. This is King Richard. A.K.A. Richard Williams. The story of the Williams family, Serena and Venus, and their father. This came out back in November. I watched it on HBO Max when it came out at the time, because HBO Max was still doing that thing. Yeah. I talked for a long time in the House of Gucci podcast about this movie because I liked it so much. I don't remember anything you said. I believe you. But... But now I have my own thoughts. Here we are to talk about it. You know what I'm thinking about right now, Gabe? Going home? A little bit. But but I'm also thinking about Hogwarts Legacy. Mm. I can't stop thinking about... It looks real good. Hogwarts Legacy. And I hope for the best. But I am... Gabe's like... Pessimistic. <laughs> you are... Cautiously, Anything but optimistic. I feel like I'm cautiously pessimistic. You're like, oh, I've been burned before. I'm going to be burned right now. Listen. Listen. I, this is a video game <laughs> that essentially allows you to play out your fantasy of being a Hogwarts student. My mom would hate it. Something most Harry Potter fans, I think, have felt. And I can't stop thinking about it. There was a gameplay trailer that came out yesterday. And I am so pumped. And Gabe is like, this is going to be crap. Listen, I'm a skeptic. I'll believe it when I see it. What can I say? I want to put my fingers through the holes. You want to put your fingers where? In Jesus' hands. (laughs) (laughs) Get your mind out of the gutter. This is a family-friendly cast, okay? No, it's not. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's not. Well, we tried. I think our first cast was clean. A lot of them have been clean. There you go. We can just separate them into, you know, unclean and clean. Just like Jesus. <laughs> Just like Jesus. Everything comes back around. Sorry. Excellent podcast. <laughs> we're children. We are. But that's what keeps us young. <laughs> so we're doing an analysis episode, which means that we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about... They're more like... I would, I would call them like celebration episodes as well, because it's a celebration of this content. Was Coda a celebration episode? I was having a lot of fun in that episode. I know. But here we are, talking about uh, King Richard, like we said. Anyway, let's <laughs> jump into King Richard. Who directed this movie? Ah, the director of this film, his name <laughs> is Reinaldo Marcus Green. And I pronounce it like that because there's an I after the E, which we know yeah. that happens except after C. <laughs> so I wanted to pronounce it with a little bit of a flair. But he is... Not a super big no. name. Yeah. He has a few features under his belt that oh. I don't recognize. He's currently on pre-production of a Bob Marley biopic. That'd be cool. Do you think he got that because of King Richard? Oh, yeah. He's like one of those biopic guys now. But he uh, he's directed films such as Joe Bell and Monsters and Men. And he directed a few episodes of Top Boy and The Fight for America and We Own This City, which is, yeah, that was the one... With uh, John Bernthal. My man. Awesome. My man. My man. And Treat Williams, 
who is from uh, Everwood. Anyway, Ronaldo Marcus Green mm-hmm. did a great job directing this, I have to say. Fantastic direction. I, I really, agree. really like this movie. I do think one of the biggest parts of this movie that made it so good, probably alongside Marcus Green, would be the editing. I, yeah. think, I think the editing was really good in this film. You want to say who the editor is there, Gabe? Pamela Martin. Pamela Martin. Well done. And she did. This is kind of funny. She's done another tennis movie. She did Battle of the Sexes, which was mm. Emma Stone and Steve Carell from yeah. a few years ago, talking about Bobby Riggs and Billie Jean King. I saw that movie. She also edited The Fighter and Little Miss Sunshine. I love Little Miss Sunshine. The cinematographer is also a name some people might be familiar with. Well, not the name, but the work. Mm-hmm. Robert Ellswit, who's worked on There Will Be Blood, Nightcrawler, big fan, Good Night and Good Luck, Punch Drunk Love. And uh, was written by yeah. Zach Balin. Zach Balin, who doesn't really have a whole lot of credits, but it was a biopic, more or less, right? I think it was pretty faithful to the story of the Williams family. I, I'm going to come clean. I don't know a lot about tennis. You know what? I also have to say that I don't know a lot about professional tennis. Actually, we've played. We, we played, played tennis. We did play once. <laughs> it was not professional. Well, for you, it was. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was a slop all over the place. Slop. Before seeing this film, all I knew about the Williams sisters, Venus and Serena, was that they were you know legendary athletes. So yeah, I knew none of the history. I knew that they were sisters. Yes. I thought, actually, they were twins for a while, because they're, like, one year apart, Yeah, I think. Even less, maybe. Which is funny, because the way the story played out, Venus had, Venus had like, a several-year head start. I think it said Serena didn't jump in until, like, two or three years after the events of the film, in terms of, like, starting to build her own story, right? And they do address that in this film. Yeah, they do. Who did the music by? Original music by Chris Bowers. Amongst other things, he's worked on the prestigious Space Jam sequel that everybody really enjoyed. He also did the music for Green Book. And he, and he had worked with Ronaldo Marcus Brown on Monsters and Men as well. Monsters and Men starred Anthony Ramos from Hamilton and In the Heights. Let's talk about the cast. The cast, yes. First up would be... Will Smith is who? back. Will Smith. Yeah. Is back. And he's still got it, I have to say. He did so well. It was amazing to see him in a dramatic role again. Yeah. He played Richard Williams. He was King Richard, the father of the <laughs> King Richard. You know, famous tennis sisters. Uh-huh. And then Ingenue Ellis played Oracine Williams, who's the mother. We well, nailed that name. Nice job. I loved her. Gabe and I both agreed she was like... The Viola Davis to Will's Denzel. In Fences, yeah. She yeah. she did such a good job. She stood toe-to-toe with Will Smith's acting, and I really liked her in this role. I would love to see more of her. And then uh, the young Sania Sidney played Venus Williams, and then Demi Singleton played Serena Williams. Both great. I thought that they both did a good job. I feel like their, their vulnerability... And realness, real genuineness came through, you know. Venus had the spotlight, but Serena had some really powerful scenes too. Mm-hmm. Their older sister, Tundi, was played by Michaela Lachey Bartholomew. And she, I thought she was great as well. And then they had a couple other sisters played by Danielle Lawson 
and Layla Crawford. Then the other great performance in this film was by my man. John Bernthal. John Bernthal. The Punisher himself. As Rick Macy. Mackey? Who was an actual coach in real life. Well, these are all real people. Paul Cohen was a real dude. John Bernthal's a real person. Yes. Will Smith might not be The Punisher. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, John Bernthal was great basically playing against type. He's usually the tough guy. Occasionally like a villainous, like an anti-hero. But in this movie, he's such a meek, like nice, wholesome dude. Yeah. It was really (laughs) funny to see him in that role. Yeah. Let's talk about what it's nominated for. It's nominated for Best Picture, obviously. That's why we're talking about it. Uh, Best Actor. Will Smith. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) As King Richard. Yeah. And Best Supporting Actress, who we've already talked about, Anjanou Ellis. Name in the film was Orsine. Orsine. And then it's nominated for Best Original Screenplay, which... Which is funny because it's about (laughs) a real life. And then it's nominated for Best Film Editing, which is a tough category. Yeah. Because it's up against Don't Look Up, Dune, The Power of the Dog, and Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah, as an editor, I have a lot of respect for all those films. If I had to guess, I think it would be Dune because it was Dune. Paul Modib. Yeah. All really powerful, powerfully edited films. But I I was calling out the editing for King Richard because I think that the editing and the pacing of how the story was told made the movie what it was. Anyway, let's talk about the film a little bit. You want to? Sure. This film covers the Williams sisters story basically, I think, from ages nine through about 14 or so. Or no, no, it was like 10 and 11 through like 14. So Venus is a year older and it basically, it jumps forward three years after they get Rick Macy as their coach slash sponsor to just live on that property that that tennis compound is on. Uh, but we start out... In Florida. Yeah. The whole thing is pretty much through Richard Williams' eyes, though. This is basically just as much his story, you know, as the Williams sisters, because he is the one who kind of forged this destiny, almost single-handedly. He's an interesting character. Mm-hmm. But that's that's basically the story. It's from, it's from that age to that age, and it ends with Venus competing for the first time at the Grand Slam, I think, and she lost against who was at that point in time the best women's tennis player of, in the world, which is her Victoriona or something was her name. But she lost. I actually meant to, I completely forgot. I wanted to look up to see if that, the way that match played out was accurate because it was very uh, compelling in the film because Venus gets a lead and then Vitriona or whatever her name is, as Rick Macy says, ices oh, yeah. her and she's, walks off yeah. the court to like use the restroom, even though she's just kind of stalling the match. So Venus will lose her mojo and Vitriona will have the ability to like, you know, regain her composure. I think I, I think and then I, she wins. I think I did look that up and she actually did that. That's so cold. Yeah. I hated her yeah. for that. And everyone's just like looking around. I felt so bad for Venus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we start the movie out yeah. in, in Compton. Compton in like a really. It's 1991 because they show the Rodney King stuff happening on the TV. And that's basically because, you know, race is a huge part of the story in the film. So that's important, I think, for people who, have, who haven't seen the film <laughs> to know that it's... Yeah, race plays a huge part. It's obviously, you know, the social commentary is and there. And they grow up in a very low-income neighborhood. It's Compton. <laughs> it's, what are you going to do? And there's, you know, some gangs roughing up messing with the family and yeah 
There's a lot of really interesting motivational speeches, but they also don't shy away from really portraying Richard or Will Smith playing Richard as you're kind of always questioning, is he a little bit crazy? You know, is he crazy? Yeah. And they, they kind of do play into it. Like he just really believes in his kids, but you know, it's more that like he wants better for them than he ever had. And Richard is an incredibly intelligent individual, but his upbringing was very difficult. Yeah. So he doesn't have like, you know, the polish of, even though he has the charisma and the drive and all this other stuff, he doesn't have that polish that will like make, you know, that upper elite white crest tennis community, like respect him. So like the way he talks is different and the way he moves is different. He's clearly had physical strain on his body. He talks about how his feet are like hurting and stuff like that. So this is a man who's like completely worn himself out in, in the endeavor to give his family like everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah, it is, it is a very complex depiction. And I love that just all the things you said, but also it just, it, it doesn't shy away from showing that he is not entirely, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it's complex, but there are, there are parts of the movie where it's like, Richard, it, it's not just for his kids. This is also about him, right? It's about him sure. earning the respect of the world because he never had that. And yeah. he wants people to know what he can do just as much as what his family can do, yeah. I think. so. And the story is so interesting because you have these two amazing athletes, right, who are world-renowned. Everybody knows them. Legendary. But this movie doesn't focus on them. We haven't seen really a, a Hollywood biopic of one of them. We're seeing a movie about their father. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a fascinating story that they focus on their father rather than one of them, you know? Yeah. Or, or even the pair of them. <laughs> yeah. Richard Williams is a fascinating case study yeah. in so many ways. And I don't... like You, you could totally... And it, you'd make a great biopic telling just Venus and Serena's story. But Richard is like, like you said, it's kind of crazy. And so it just makes for good. Well, well, you were saying earlier, and I thought the same thing while watching it, that because they were successful, he seems like. He's validated. Yeah, he's validated as being this. Genius. Okay. This, yeah, I was going to say extremely kind of outrageous, eccentric character that successfully pushed his way to the top. But if he had failed, he would have he been, would have kind of been yeah he would have kind of seemed crazy an absolute clown yeah because um, he and specifically because he withheld his daughters for three years from the juniors the juniors league which is like a major plot point of the film mm -hmm. uh, which is outrageous because as they said throughout the movie <laughs> no one has ever done that no one ever has ever gone from that age past the juniors bracket without playing in it to going pro. And so he he literally, it was unprecedented what he was doing. I think it is a combination of luck, you know, to have literally birthed, <laughs> you know, that one, that generational talent, right? But also to foster the talent with the hard work and the, and the work ethic. And that was a question I was going to raise at some point, which is like athletes of any kind, it's a fascinating discussion to have about like, natural born talent versus what you can achieve through hard work and like what the effect, if there is natural born talent, like what the effect on that is. And cause like another point of the film is that like, they're the first black women to make 
like any waves at all in tennis. Like tennis is a right. white. It's a posh white sport. Yeah. It's like why it's white AF. Yeah. And so used to be. It's easy to make a conversation seeing how successful, you know, certain groups of people are in certain sports. Yeah. Or any endeavor, right? Like like academics, what you you know. Someone even makes a jab, if I remember correctly, towards Richard at some point in the film, like try basketball, I think, early on. And it was like so I, I don't want to say they had an edge. I think it is such a credit to Richard and to the girls what they were able to achieve, you know, with no resources. Because growing up at Compton, they don't have resources much of anything at all. But they were literally able to to carve out their destiny. Yeah, um, sure. From nothing, it's it's really inspiring. <laughs> yeah, very inspiring. I, I think that actually summarizes the film is that I, I felt really inspired after watching it and uh, made me question, what am I doing with my life? I think stories like this are, are so amazing. You know, they're a little bit underdog and they're a little bit, it always makes me think about, you know, if that anyone could do anything. Yeah, we've talked about that before. Yeah. And you believe, if I recall correctly, that with enough hard work, you can do anything, right? Well, I do think there is that element that, like you said, of luck. I think it's like the right time, right place, rather. I wouldn't say luck, even though that is sort of luck. But with enough hard work and enough belief that you will make it, I think you could make it. I don't know if you'll make it as far as you want. But you you still have to have that something. Sure. Right. And Venus and Serena did. Right. So, and I think that that is integral to being the literal greatest tennis player of all time. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's it is a discussion, but I don't know. I I, I always think about Michael Jordan and what he did with the Chicago Bulls and mm-hmm. the thing that he had that was different from everybody else. I mean, apart from the raw talent, apart from the raw talent, was the drive to be better than everyone else. Yeah, and the ability to push not only himself but his team beyond where they mentally thought that they were kind of capped out at. And I think that's kind of the point like you take a young girl from the midwest who's never told that she can't do anything or that she's not good enough and she might believe she might actually believe that she can do anything and might become you know some country singing superstar someday i don't know like i'm just saying like you you never really know how far a person's potential could be or how much success they can have in a large-scale media kind of way uh social kind of way if you just put those limitations of fear. And I, I think that's kind of where I'm trying to get is mm. I think fear is the thing that often keeps us from doing things. And so the one thing that really came out here is that Richard was not afraid to go for it. And I think a lot of times that looks crazy to us, to people that are afraid, you know? Yeah, for sure. Anyway, let's ask the big question. Do you think this movie out of all the movies that came out last year, was worthy of being nominated for Best Picture. I do. I mean, I knew it was good before I even watched it. Before it was nominated, um, I just kind of knew. But watching it, I absolutely would endorse it for that top 10. It's like, not even that 2021 was a weak year, but I think, and I think a huge credit to this, not to discredit any of the crew, but Will Smith in particular for me, uh, is this is like, you know, when you Will Smith has a history career, but when we look back, I think this will be like in his top five because yeah, totally. Well, not only is he just so good, but he, I maybe I'm just a sucker for a character like that, a character who's so consumed 
by that relentless drive and ambition and lives by such conviction that he is literally willing to go against, you know, everything to achieve his goal, you know? So yeah, I loved it personally. And I think it is absolutely deserving of its slot in whatever the heck the top 10 best of the year are for the Academy. I would say yes. In fact, if I were to rank it right now, probably top half for me. Oh, honestly, yeah. I'm not. I'm not super thrilled with this year's nominations. Nominations, but it is what it is. I always liked his acting in the Pursuit of Happiness. Oh yeah, that's like all time. Very similar ideas, although he's not as portrayed as being sort of like a crazy person. So, <laughs> um, it's funny how the American dream can take different shapes. Sure. And sometimes you're just not successful. Sometimes you are. So let's ask the the big question. Do you think it will win? No. Best picture? No, it's not going to (laughs) win. If we look at the list analytically, it's not going to (laughs) win. No. But it'll be fun (laughs) to pretend. If you put this up against Coda alone, do you think it would win? That's not fair. Coda's the worst film. <laughs> in the top 10. What I was going to say is, I because in the Coda podcast, it just didn't even occur to me that it could possibly win at all. So I didn't even ask the question if we think it will win Best Picture. It's top half. Do you think Dune will win Best Picture? I think it has a good shot. You know? I think as like, uh, an, an, like a dark horse. Do you think Don't Look Up could win Best Picture? Probably not. I think it's like Power of the Dog... Or uh, maybe Licorice Pizza. I don't know. I could see that happening. Dune. Dune could win. I actually think Dune could win. That would be insane. I would lose my mind. I think Power of the Dog is deserving. But if Dune won, holy mackerel. I'll probably have an equally and or greater... West Side Story? Reaction. Oh, West Side could win. Just because it's like, it's Spielberg and he's Spielberg. (laughs) And what are you going to do? He's the Spielberg. <laughs> what else is there? I think that's about it for contenders. No, there's there's a lot. Oh, Drive My Car, maybe Dark Horse. Especially, this is interesting, because we were talking about it on chat the other day. It's doing the Parasite thing. It's nominated for Best International and Best Feature. But I, I don't think it'll win both. It doesn't have that kind of like steamrolling momentum. Awards did Parasite momentum. win both? It did. Wow. It won four. I think it also took original screenplay and... Directing. Bong Joon-ho just cleaned up. Where is Bong Joon-ho? You think he's still like he's making his next partying movie. after dominating the Oscars? Yeah. <laughs> Two years ago? He's a funny guy. He just blacked out somewhere just like, yeah. So I still, yeah, we still need to watch Drive My Car. I'm so excited for Drive My Car. That's three hours of Japanese melodrama. I'm just going to suck it up like a milkshake. But our next episode will be Drive My Car. see the thing where Jane Campion won an award a few days ago and she said some offhand not compliment regarding the Williams sisters <gasps> and they were in the room and it was a whole thing apparently on Twitter because Jane Campion's been under some heat she had to like issue an apology and stuff like I'm what? sorry what I said was kind of not good and I apologize but was, she said something along the lines of complimenting them and then she said but I've actually had to compete with the men or something like that and it was just like everyone in the room was that reaction it's like (laughs) it's like come on Jane Jane you had Jane come on you almost had it (laughs) 
Literally, you could have had it all. 